This is Things That Really Matter, a podcast by Global Multidisciplinary Engineers Kundal that is dedicated to creating new and innovative solutions for the built environment and driving the agenda towards a more sustainable future. Join us as we discuss the challenges and changes that affect the built environment around the world with the brightest minds in our industry. Hello and welcome. Uh, my name is Gavin Bonner, Head of Digital Engineering for Kundal, and joining me today is Maciek Kreselek, who is our Data and Analytics Lead at Kundal. Uh, our podcast today is around how digital engineering can facilitate a faster route to achieving uh, net zero buildings. So we'll have a look at the technology driving this, the routes to implementation and and some of the barriers to, to adoption as well. And any other interesting points that uh, might arise as we run through this, uh, this topic. So before we get into all of that great stuff, we will give a brief overview of who we are and uh, what we do. So like I say, my name is Gavin Bonner, Head of Digital Engineering for Kundal. So first and foremost, uh, what is digital engineering? I'm sure everyone will have their own interpretation uh, of what that is uh, for their company. For us at Kundal, we basically want to deliver better and more sustainable projects to our clients and digital engineering helps us do that primarily uh, through optimization of traditional design processes or automation of the repetitive tasks we see in, in all processes. So everything really is on the table uh, within Kundal as we want to increase that level of digital adoption right across the business globally. So that's a quick intro uh, from me. I'll pass you over to Maciek. Thanks, Gavin. Hello, um, my name is Maciek Ozolek and I'm the Digital Automation Analytics Lead. Um, and I've been with, with Kundal for, for more than three years now. And my background is mechanical engineering, but uh, in my current role, I'm mainly responsible for development of, uh, like Gavin mentioned, automation workflows, things also like software development and data related tasks. And my key interest is to be able to use data to drive the key design decisions and uh, help our engineers and also our clients to have a better performing buildings. Okay, thanks much. So just to sort of set the scene, uh, we're both heavily involved in digital engineering and, and data within Kundal. We know the UK government has committed to achieving sort of net zero by 2050. We know the built environment contributes around 40% of the UK's total carbon footprint. And we know radical changes are needed if we as an industry are going to meet these targets by 2050. So I suppose the question from a digital perspective, uh, we want to explore what can be done to maybe achieve some of these goals quicker, better, uh, more efficiently. Uh, and I think introducing new digital ways of working now is certainly going to pave the path and lay the foundations to, to realistically achieving uh, some of these targets uh, as we move forward. What's your sort of thoughts on, on, on this much? I mean, um, I think that obviously since the 2019 when uh, UK government you know, pledge to, to achieving that zero by 2050 and they're going to start laying out certain policies. 
this does not obviously affecting our projects and supply chain requirements. But obviously, there's a an open question. You know, is, is that what they've done? Is that enough? You know, mm -hmm. um, surely we, we should be focusing uh, also on a kind of digitally transformed society that actually uses these technologies and helps us to reduce uh, our impact on the environment. But also in, in the same time, uh, you know, without compromising uh the users and, and the clients which are going to be using uh, these buildings mm -hmm. and i think that sort of bigger picture is super important we should be pretty f uh, you know focusing on achieving certain targets uh, but also mm -hmm. you know let's not forget about people who are, are going to be using these buildings and their experiences mm -hmm. what, yeah. what do you think yes yeah, so there's a lot to sort of consider in looking at some some of the main issues you know i mean we've got sort of I mean, there's a lot of uh, areas around sort of digital integration across, you know, I mean, the entire sort of supply chain. You know, I mean, that has been slow to 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 adopt and, and and gain traction with. We've got another, you know, I mean, bigger issue potentially around the sort of the digital skills within the industry in terms of, you know, I mean, sure. are we looking at retraining and upskilling? Uh, large, you know, I mean, groups of individuals or companies to to sort of take on board and push and, and drive this technology. And you've got a lot of sort of questions on the back of that around, you know, I mean, do people have the budgets or, or, the, or the companies mm. have the budgets to to push this? And, and, and I mean, innovation's at the heart of what we're talking about. And you know, I mean, I think there's a lot on the table for for people to to try and sort of drive through on top of what they're already doing uh, in the market today. So, yeah. And I think sort of, you know, I mean, trying to sort of measure that sort of impact as well, I think is another area that is uh, it's quite sort of difficult to try and understand how we do it. So, you know, I mean, to, to measure, uh, uh, to collect that data and to be fully transparent on that data as well is uh, for me a, a sort of key issue that I think we need to look at as an industry. Absolutely, I um, totally agree with what you just said, uh, especially when when you look at the 40% of total global CO2 emissions do come from, from the built environment uh, sector. And as more people started to realize uh, that carbon emissions are not just produced throughout the, you know, the let's call it asset life cycle, but also you know during the manufacturing of all the components, the, the transportation, you know, the construction, and at the end demolition of, of the building. And this is now you know goes under the umbrella of, of embodied carbon. And uh, so, so finally, there's a movement uh, in the industry that is now paying. A lot more closer attention to mm -hmm. the issue of embodied carbon on projects. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to, uh, um, you know, uh, basic, um, just kind of structural, uh, embodied carbon in, in structural data, if that makes sense, we do have enough data and information and, and calculation methodology to be able to to assess uh, the embodied carbon in, in of the building structures. Mm -hmm. However, there is a completely different uh, issue when it comes to uh, the sort of assessment when it comes to building services mm. because the, this process is a lot more complicated and a lot more 
in, involved. And um, I don't know if you remember, but last year, uh, SIPSI released uh, in January at, um, a TM65 embodied carbon in building services and uh, with fully defined calculation methodology. So this, this document kind of describes of how to how to apply so-called uh, environmental product declarations to MEP uh, uh, items and it's all good and it's, it's and, and, it, and it's great it's a, it's a really good step forward mm-hmm. however the, the problem becomes and this is probably the most common problem is that uh, the complexity of, of building services uh, products you know if you think about things like fan call units and how many tiny little components out there and be able to calculate the carbon content of uh, of these products is, is really a complicated subject and yeah and we need more data and more examples uh, from industry yeah. to be able to support this big project yeah. So, so data aside for now, I think that's an interesting sort of topic and we can, we, we can address that in a sec, but from another sort of technology perspective, I suppose the key question is as an industry or, or as a practice uh, for Kundal, you know, I mean, what sort of solutions can we bring to the table to tackle some of these issues? So, you know, I mean, for me, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I've come from a sort of a BIM sort of background, uh, for me, it's the integration of, of data from all stakeholders in the supply chain and having that infrastructure sort of set up early. So, I mean, even as we look ahead, we need to fully understand what sort of platforms are we going to be using, how, how we're sharing that information and do people and teams uh, and businesses have the necessary skills to operate in this field. And, you know, I mean, I think we've made a lot of progress over the last sort of five to 10 years in terms of uh, pulling all this together. And, you know, I mean, if you look at the, some of the documentation now that has been developed in the UK to sort of structure that from mm-hmm. from the, the, the PAS and the British standard moving into sort of ISO to ISO 19650 to structure that as a international approach. I think that has hugely helped. Uh, but, on the back of that, from the technology aspect, you know, I mean, are, are these big tech companies doing enough uh, within the construction industry to, to help us push this further along? Don't know. No. Mm, so it's a good question. Um, obviously, you think about big players like Autodesk uh, and their platforms, uh, which obviously they're trying to support the, the industry in achieving all of these uh, goals. Uh, However, I don't think there is, I don't think that the, the big players are actually doing enough uh, or, or that they're not maybe focusing on, on the things which are important, like for, yeah. for instance, uh, the, the calculation of embodied carbon. And a lot of, from, from what I can see, uh, a lot of these kind of decisions are being left to individual companies to almost develop their own solutions to, to, to yeah. these problems. And yeah. I would like to see more of these businesses to be more proactive and trying to, mm. you know, it's not just like your problem, you deal with it. You know, they should be thinking about how what they can support uh, even like smaller businesses who, who use their platforms, but not necessarily yeah. they have the capability to develop their own uh, software and scripts. So yeah, in my view, that, that they have a big role to play in, in all of this. So in an ideal world, we have, say, we have the infrastructure set up and sort of mm-hmm. we're collecting the necessary data we need. What's your thoughts on sort of AI and 
the machine learning sort of aspects of what we do then when we when we have that infrastructure we have that data yeah the two big buzzwords uh, <laughs> these mm -hmm. days um they, they would definitely play a, a, a big role uh especially like again just going back to the you know how we estimate embodied uh, a carbon and, mm -hmm. I, and i've seen you know i've seen some papers over past years you know, using things like you know regression analysis models or random forest based machine learning models to, to trying to, to to predict uh the modded carbon in uh, in a uh, building structures but it's, it's again going back to these let's call very simple type of uh, problems mm. and i think you know i really truly believe that, that this will, will change in the future and as, as more MEP data will become available. Mm -hmm. This potentially will lead to more models and more accurate prediction uh, uh, models. Yeah, I, I think. Assessment. Yeah, I think there needs to be a sort of maybe a, a better understanding of well as well of sort of AI and, and sort of what can be achieved. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think the, the understanding around the different types of AI is, is pretty limited. I mean, the likes of neural networks that, you know, I mean, have been around, you know, I mean, 40, 50 years, dating back to the 60s yeah. and 70s, and ultimately worked by by matching patterns in observed data. So predictions of uh, future outcomes are quite limited to the data the algorithm has seen in the past, whereas, you know, I mean, more evolved uh, or guided sort of AI algorithms are guided by sort of knowledge of a certain topic area. Uh, and can predict, you know, I mean, uh, outcomes and prescribe why things are likely to occur, even if it's never seen that sort of data prior. And I think that's where the the powerful sort of aspect of AI sits for me, and 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 certainly in the sort of built environment when we're we're focused on buildings, and the type of data that we can collect from buildings that becomes then extremely powerful when you are, you know, I mean, applying a uh, machine learning or AI algorithm to data to give you a predicted sort of outcome to ultimately, you know, I mean, do something with. Um, I think that's that's an underdeveloped area, as we know, but an area that can hugely uh, enhance uh, the the built environment. Absolutely, but uh, the main key thing to this all of these algorithms is the data that you're going to be that you need to to train. Uh, these algorithms. So, and it's uh, and it's you know, and I think what what CIPC, uh, the the TM sixty five initiative is really uh, something very important because uh, CIPC is trying to encourage businesses to report the, the assessment uh, results so mm -hmm. they can add it to their you know kind of like a central location central database which in the future you know will have a huge uh, possibility or a great starting point for for many researchers to to mm -hmm. explore new machine learning methods and yeah. definitely improve the, the current kind of you know prediction method so yeah. and this in in the future when we get to this point i truly believe that we have models which will allow us during design stage in a pretty much uh, as, as a kind of live feedback where we'll be telling yeah. us, you know, what, what, how, how building performs from the uh, uh, embodied carbon point of view. So, yeah. So sort of so, practically now, sort of, you know, I mean, what kind of process or processes or technology can we be looking at? Um, it's a good question. I think um, there's been a lot of talks about digital twins technology recently. 
mm-hmm. and and I, I think you you've been quite uh, heavily interested yeah. in, in this. It, it it's been a hot topic, I suppose, just yeah. like the the AI and the subsets of sort of I mean of AI like machine learning. It's it, 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 it's it's a word that gets thrown out there quite a lot, and uh, I mean something we've looked into in quite a lot of detail uh, within Kundal and, and and trying to apply elements. I won't say sort of fully fledged digital twins, but certainly elements of that in uh, in, in in projects where we can. But for everyone, just to you know, I mean paint the picture and uh, and give a, a bit of an overview to what a digital twin is uh, it's basically you know, i mean made up of three elements you know, i mean there's a physical element mm-hmm. so it could yeah. be a building it could be a city it could be a network it, it, it's an asset ultimately uh, that's number one number two it's uh it's a digital uh, or virtual representation so that could be a three model uh, 3d model of the the, the physical element mm-hmm. and the third sort of component is that sort of connection that's established between the two element to give it that real sort of functionality and then when you have uh, items like iot and, and smart building elements that feed into how a digital twin should actually work where you have uh, sensors and, and processes that are embedded within the, the physical element to collect that required data uh, and that data can then be further analyzed and worked on through either the simulations or other AI applications that give it an output and ultimately can then provide that sort of 360 loop. And when you have that 360 loop, you can then feed that data or that analysis back into the, the, the physical element, giving you that sort of automation process. So, I mean, I think that brings us to, you know, I mean, uh, the important point uh, around the data. Uh, and I know it's something that you've looked into as well. So I suppose a question to you in terms of, you know, I mean, how important is that data to the digital twin? Yes, I'm, I'm always been interested in any type of <laughs> data and particularly <laughs> for when it comes to uh, digital twin subject. I mean, it's all good to have a, a nice 3D representation of an asset. However, it's, it's a little bit useless if you if you cannot uh, get anything out of it. And this is where the data, uh, especially when it comes to digital twins, is you know you, you, it's 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 mainly collected uh, um, as a kind of kind of time series. So mm-hmm. so you, you you can see how the things are changing for, throughout the time. And all of this data can be used to, in the future, for example, to, to from retrospective data, we, we can uh, produce a source of like simulated data that can be then used to, to train AI algorithms. And what these algorithms can do, can uh, you, you could use them to test uh, different scenarios. So for example, you could see how perhaps the building might perform if the, suddenly the, the, the temperature drops Way, way below the design, uh, so winter temperatures, or, or for example, when we start looking at the you know, global uh, heating, when the temperature start, starts rising, you could see mm-hmm. how that can impact on the performance uh, of the building. And not just the internal temperatures, but you could also look into things like how your uh, uh, chiller plant is performing, what sort of yeah. go, going to be, uh, you know, an, uh, what sort of energy use you, you will get, and a lot of things, things like that. Yeah. But it, it's not just algorithms and data can help you to analyze uh, thousands of different uh, different case studies and and make based on this then, then make the decisions 
uh, of how to operate the building better and get the better outcomes essentially you know for 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 for, for the users yeah so yeah. i think you know this is something which which uh, this is this some sort of you know, benef benefits which we 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 can uh, get from uh, digital twins but it's just one of one of many absolutely yeah there is um, you know, i mean probably lots of other uh, things that have not been explored in any great depth so uh, yeah, yeah lots in the pipeline as well and there's lots of great work being done currently on on sort of the the national digital twin program which is run by mm -hmm. the center for digital built britain so there's lots of guidance on there to help uh, assist industry at the moment with some of the best practices that can actually be adopted now uh, so yeah i'd encourage anyone to to have a look at that to see what we can do uh, as an industry to sort of push that whole digital twin mm. uh, initiative. So digital twin, super exciting, lots there. It's a huge, you know, I mean, topic and, and conversation to have, but what sort of benefits, you know, I mean, focused on, on what we're talking about today, can a digital twin provide in the uh, smart building environment? For me, the, the, the key important uh, aspects are, for example, uh, if, if, you, if you have a healthy indoor environment, which is controlled better, then that automatically that, uh, that turns into improved well-being of people mm -hmm. and also you know, improved productivity or reduced absenteeism. And uh, it's, it definitely uh, helps uh, it's also with with a morale people working in the office and yeah because of the more healthier uh, environment mm -hmm. uh, but also this kind of thing you know this is an example perhaps where of people uh, working inside the, the building yeah. but if, if you if you start thinking about uh, perhaps your uh, your clients let's say your shopping center and and you, you you have lots of customers coming you want to make sure that they're uh, that they're happy, that they uh, have a really good comfort levels. Uh, for example, um, let's take another example of hotels. You want to make sure that the, the, the controls of individual environments are really simple. And that's where kind of AI can help you a lot to, to, to main, maintain this. Yeah. And, and one of the other examples, which, which really, uh, which, which is, I think for me also probably Probably the most important from from our perspective as a, as, mm -hmm. as consultants, consulting business is is that you could uh, if you have a, a digital um, twin model of existing building and the client would like to make some changes to, to the layout mm -hmm. to anything like that, you could carry out testing a lot of these options uh, prior to actually construction and, and changes and and yeah. evaluate. Uh, Know, the effectiveness of, of, of these proposed changes. So for me, this is like a super exciting subject and it's got yeah. a huge, I think it's going to have a huge potential in the future. Yeah, no, I think you've touched on quite a few topics there. I think you've got, we've got the, you know, I mean, keeping up uh, the maintenance of a building as well, mm. which, you know, I mean, can be sure, quite yeah. costly over the, uh, uh, the the life cycle of it. So anything around uh, monitoring and upkeeping the, the the asset management for sort of preventive and predictive maintenance. Mm -hmm. I think there's a huge role uh, a digital twin can play. Uh, certainly linked to you know, I mean, other things that maybe are a bit further down the line. But I mean, the likes of uh, blockchain uh, added in mm -hmm. to that whole conversation. That's probably a a separate podcast for the future. Mm -hmm. 
but that sort of technology brings uh, an added layer not only for security but also uh, for for the automation aspect of you know what i mean i know we've talked uh, around sort of you know what i mean preventive maintenance and you probably hear it quite a lot in industry and you probably heard it quite a lot over the last couple of years but to really you know what i mean uh, to put a, a sort of seal on that is it, it, for me, the introduction of sort of blockchain, where you look at smart contracts to fully automate sort of these type of processes to give you that sort of 360 loop, which uh, I sort of mentioned earlier. I think that sort of technology is uh, still quite early, uh, but certainly gaining a lot of traction and certainly has a place with uh, the digital twin. That merge with uh, with AI gives you uh, some very powerful uh, procedures that we could possibly explore into the future um yeah i think that the, the future definitely is is, is is exciting because the, these new tools are, are started to being uh, uh, adopted and, and used uh, still you know so some of the some of these particular things like blockchain and, and smart contracts they, they slowly start starting to find use within our uh, industry yeah uh, and you know this is also quite quite exciting uh, a field which is growing uh, rapidly, mm. and and hopefully in the future this will change perhaps how how the uh, construction industry operates altogether and yeah. hopefully will, will simplify uh, the the way uh, people or companies are are, are paid will we'll speed up the, the, this process uh, and. Uh, and as a benefit, but perhaps you yeah. know we could see an improved uh, cash flow of, of, of many businesses and and reduce uh, amount of uh, paperwork and, and absolutely. Dispute. So, yeah. so this is where I can see that the, the really big benefit of blockchain and, and smart contracts in, in yeah. particular. And I think you know, I mean, there's a big conversation around the whole sort of transparency as well of not only the the data that we sort of collect, but you know, I mean, the results that we uh, publish publicly. Uh, in terms of, you know, I mean, whether it's a, a building or it's emissions, that we do it in the right way. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think, again, sort of blockchain technology is a, a huge part to sort of play in that with uh, uh, mutable ledgers. So, yeah, I think it's something to watch for the future, certainly. Mm -hmm. okay. So I think we've, you know, I mean, gone through a lot of, you know, I mean, what digital twins, AI and sort of, you know, I mean, future technologies can apply and you know i mean it's certainly uh, it, it's very exciting what's coming the barriers to adoption <laughs> that is always a uh, a, a key uh, an interesting sort of conversation to to sort of have so you know i mean utilizing this technology you know, i mean to enhance design and construction i mean as as we do you know i mean we we can apply elements of that to what we do and and we do that within kundal where we can uh, but utilizing, I mean, this type of technology, certainly digital twin technology, post-construction into the operation and sort of maintain, maintenance of a building brings quite a few more questions, I think. And, and one of those key questions is who pays and who benefits from this technology? That's, uh, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on on this whole topic and i don't think we've sort of fully understood as an industry uh, some of the answers to this yet yeah I've, I've, i agree with you on on, on this one it's um, definitely from from the cost perspective because it's a 
relatively new technology. Yeah. Uh, so there may, may not be in, enough perhaps competition to, to reduce uh, uh, cost of it. So yeah. that this could be perhaps one thing. Um, also, you know, the good question is, uh, you know, who should pay for for this? Should, yeah. should it be the contractor? Should it be the, the end, end client? The, yeah. the, the digital twin model, it's it's being built for, throughout the design stage, and then when when obviously the, the building is, is is finished, then the mm -hmm. final uh, version goes live, and obviously you you have that that connection with all the sensor and, and the, the kind of yeah, yeah. data uh, backend. Yeah. Uh, so so obviously there's a question of who's paying for for all of this up to this point, and then then yeah. then who's paying to maintain this sort of model and make sure it's up to date. Uh, make sure that, that uh, you know there are no issues related to perhaps like security, which is for, for, for me is a, is, a, is a really big, big question. Because if you think about uh, things like uh, you know that in this model in the wrong hands, like Terra's hands, could, the whole thing could be you know, very little. So, mm -hmm. so the, these are the things which which there are lots of things that need to be considered before this sort of model mm -hmm. goes goes live. So. <laughs> Like like with all the things in life, you know, you get good, <laughs> yeah. you get benefits, and, and you have you can have quite a severe consequences if something goes wrong. So I think yeah. that, that that's why we need to be be, be very careful. I, th I think for me, I mean, looking at because we get it, you know, I mean, we've had a glimpse into, you know, I mean, what is involved in that sort of process. But I do know a fully functional digital twin will get someone a very hefty bill. Maybe they didn't expect. So I think there's an interesting you know, I mean, conversation, I suppose, around, you know, I mean, the, the, the costs associated to accumulate uh, and host this type of data and what sort of quantity we're talking about. So I don't know what your thoughts on uh, on, on that sort of aspect of it, because I think it, it sort of doesn't really get, you know, I mean, everyone wants the, uh, the shiny new toy, uh, yeah. but the back end of it in terms of, I mean, is this collecting data uh, constantly? Are we talking on a on a daily basis, every every second, every minute, uh, or is it every week? So I think the real in depth, what are we actually doing here with data, needs to be taken into consideration. Well, it's a very good point, and if you actually think about, you know, this data is is the more sensor obviously you have, the more things which you're trying to to monitor, even. Yeah, if, if you focusing on on a single again going back to the the, the Frankel example, how many sensors uh, a unit like like that uh, has? And if you let's say multiply, you know, office building, you, you could, could get hundreds of, of Frankel units, and all of this data then then goes, uh, well, could be either on on the several premises, but most mo mostly these days uh, it would go into the cloud. Mm -hmm. And so you have the, the, the several costs associated with with, with this of uh, cloud deployment of, of your uh, digital twin. So costs associated with collecting all of this data, storing it, but also then you have you need to analyze this data to to, mm -hmm. to to be able to to do something useful with it. And obviously, the, the cost of, of processing it's such a huge you know big data essentially. Uh, can be can also add a lot on, on onto it, and so 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 probably this could be that that opens then a question uh, for, for 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 the end users. You know, is 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 it really worth doing it? Well, how you know we're paying so much money, let's say, for exactly. to maintain this yeah. model, 
are yeah. we getting anything back and what's what's the what's 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 the you know benefit yeah. what's the return of on, on our investment yeah uh, so i think each each business or, or, uh, or yeah. user think, thinking about this you know you need to i think you're right consider. i think you're right i think it's knowing not one case fits all and i think mm -hmm. each and every case sort of needs to be looked at individually to what the end user wants and, and what they want to achieve and we don't have to put absolutely everything on the table you know i mean cost you know i mean is a can be a driver uh, so we need to take that sort of seriously as well but at the end of the day you know, i mean we want to push and uh, innovate with this sort of technology going forward so we need to start somewhere uh, but we Absolutely. seem to be slowly but surely sort of making the making the journey into this whole realm which is uh, really exciting so you know i mean lots of topics and you know, i mean just touching on a lot of key areas there very high level uh which is great but as a summary you know what i mean what what are the consequences i suppose for, for those who who don't adapt or, or adopt this kind of technology now or, or in the next sort of five years are we saying i mean everybody has to play their part uh, or is it i mean i'm sure we all agree it's not uh, it's not going to be a handful of uh, companies or, or or certain individuals within sort of industries mm -hmm. driving this everyone does have to play their part uh, especially, you know, I mean, on some of the targets and, and goals that we want to achieve, uh, primarily for sort of net zero buildings in the future. I think one of the the key the, the key reason for uh, embracing digital engineering is that it provides a lot of uh, efficiencies that that you are able to automate certain. A workflows, design processes. Uh, you, you can embed uh, uh, additional uh, quality assurance processes. It can be done automatically and 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 eliminate costly uh, errors. Uh, I don't remember the exact figures, but 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 since the uh, since Beam was embraced by the majority of the construction companies, they they've seen a, a huge reduction of. Uh, costly modifications on site and and the reduction of of of, of clashes, which mm -hmm. were picked up very early during the the, the design stage before anything happens yeah. happens on on, you know, on construction site. Yeah. So and, and the companies who who do not uh, try to get on board with it will essentially be left left behind because. Uh, yeah. The, uh, essentially, the requirements for for the supply chain will, will require them to 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 have the sort of technology, and if they don't have, they essentially will be yeah. le left behind. So, so yeah, the, I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's my view on, on this. I, th I think for us, you know, I mean, even at Kundal, we've we've seen over the last sort of two years, you know, I mean, even at the start of the pandemic, there's key times and, and certain things that happen that sort of impact what we do. So. Uh, I mean, right at the start of the pandemic, we were already sort of uh, using the, the BIM 360 sort of platform to host a lot of our projects. And I mean, we're well sort of connected across all our sort of 19 offices, but we really pressed the button on that and sort of scaled it up ultimately to basically run all of our sort of projects on that platform. And, you know, I mean, it's that for us has proven to be, uh, I mean, a huge success. We can have 
people from I mean all over at different time zones working on the same models. Uh, so adoption, I think, of technology is pushed by certain elements. Not always. You know, I mean, uh, from our own doing, it might be sort of <laughs> environmental impact like COVID nineteen. But it certainly puts you under a spotlight to make those decisions a, a little bit quicker. Uh, so I think, you know, I mean, doing that, that, that for us has been a, a, a bit of an eye opener to say, you know, I mean, if you do adopt this technology and you do invest the time and you do invest the training in terms of, you know, I mean, upskilling your workforce to understand these workflows and, uh, and, and being able to use the software, that you will see the benefits out of it. So. I think, I mean, we'll continue to look at all new sort of aspects of, of technology that sort of comes onto the market and always try and sort of uh, find a way or a home for it on our projects where possible. So I think that's, uh, that's it for us. So thank you uh, for listening to this episode. And if you have any questions, please get in touch. Uh, you can listen to more things that really matter episodes on our website and that's at www.cundle.com or wherever you get your podcasts from thank you and hope you can join us on our next podcast in the future this is a podcast by Cundle, the first engineering consultancy to be certified carbon neutral by the carbon trust